Hi, welcome to the Refuge House Church podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impart their word for Christ. So here is what we need you to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. You can look at it as overcoming doubt or how to overcome doubt. One of the things we have uh, said during the course of the teaching is that doubt is the stumbling block to operating the faith of Christ or the God kind of faith that we possess. In Mark chapter 11 verse 23, Jesus said, um, whosoever, okay, talked about prayer first, then he said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and will not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says will come to pass, he will have whatsoever things that he desires. Praise the name of the Lord. All right, so um, we understand that if we're going to walk by faith and we're going to relate with God by faith and also do the things that he uh, has promised us and instructed us to do, because he said, the works that I do shall you do also and greater works than this. First of all, he said, very, very, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because i do what i go to my father hallelujah i and, and i want to believe because if you hear god's word the proof that god's word is working in your life is if you're putting it to practice because like i said doubt is something we deal with every day the enemy understands the power of our faith you know the bible says in first peter chapter 5 he said be sober be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, works about like a lion, seeking whom he may what? He may devour. Looking for someone who is not enforcing or operating his advantage in Christ. And when he looks for that, what he does is to, to come in. First John chapter 5 says, we know that the whole world lies under the grip of the wicked one. But he said, he that keepeth himself, the wicked one toucheth him not. Praise the name of the Lord. So, and we keep ourselves through obedience or doing the word. The Bible says, be not hearers of the word only, but be doers of what? Of the word. Say amen. All right. So, what are you doing about that? Because that is going to come. We're going to deal with that on a daily basis. Doubt is something that you and I will face on a daily basis. Its goal is to prevent you from walking by faith. Because he understands the power of locating God's promises, taking a stand on it, and refusing to shift your ground. Then he understands that. So he will look for, and, and, and from the scripture, we've seen that he will try to use um, the human reality of uh, experience, education, you know, to try to, uh, you know, create the opportunity to doubt 
Sometimes you go through situations that will test your conviction, will test your obedience to the word. And if you don't know how to take your stand, use your faith to keep your focus steady on the promises of God, the enemy will hit you bad. So we'll look for various means, various means to create the opportunity for doubt. But like we said, just like faith is a choice, to doubt is also a choice. You can refuse to doubt. Just like Abraham, who is described as the father of our faith, refused to doubt. When God gave him a promise that he was going to have a son, the entire circumstance around him was against that promise. And God, at a particular point, had to change their language. He had to change what they were saying. And, and he, he, told, he changed Abraham's name from Abraham to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. And Abraham means uh, father of many. And when God speaks to him, God speaks to him with the end from the beginning in mind. He'll call him father of descendants. He said, your children shall be like the stars in the sea. And God was speaking because God is a faith God. Praise God. God is a faith God. And he has given us his faith so we can relate with him on the same frequency. One of the proof, I may say, if you are hearing and doing what I've been teaching for the past six weeks, is that you will break out, out of the manipulation of emotions. Because one of the reasons many of us are not walking in faith is because we're led by our moods. There, there, there are two support systems to faith. One of them is joy, hallelujah, and the other one is patience, two support systems to faith. The Bible says, follow after them who through faith and patience inherited what? The promise. Is that not what it says? I believe you know that scripture in Hebrew chapter 6. Follow after them who through faith and patience do what? Inherit the promise. Follow after them. So if your faith will deliver you must engage the virtue of patience. Hallelujah. And patience is that force. It's because part of your born-again human spirit is that force or that virtue that God has deposited on your human spirit that enables you to wait out the waiting season of faith. Because there will be a waiting period between when you believe and the manifestation comes. And the virtue of faith keeps you steady. That's why another meaning for faith is long-suffering. The virtue of faith keeps you steady. Your confession remains consistent. Hallelujah. The other support system of faith is joy. If you read the book of 1 Peter, the Bible says, Whom you have not seen, yet you believe, and rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I preached a message one time, in the church where I was invited, the faith-joy connection. One of the reasons our faith is not producing is because doubt has succeeded in hitting us at the joy level. Where we are now regulated by how we feel. We're regulated by our moods and our swing. You can't praise God as you should, say, as you should because you don't feel like it. See, we're used to saying, I don't feel it. And unknown to us, like thank God we've been able to share during uh, Monday, uh, Sunday services, that uh, uh, emotion or feeling is the voice of the body. It comes from the body. And the body is in a state of violence and you have to control it. It has acquired a training that is rooted in rebellion. 
and self-indulgence. He likes to have his way. He likes to be, it's like a stubborn child that has been trained to be stubborn and resistant. I want to have my way. And anytime you want to do something, he wants to do the opposite. That's how your body is. And if you don't train your body, you will never walk by faith. Because one of the areas your body wants to make its case and make its stand is through your feeling. And through the, the force of joy, expressed through thanksgiving and praise and rejoicing, you are able to keep the body on check. Praise the name of the Lord. Bible said, I subdue my body. It, don't tell, it doesn't tell me when to praise God, how to praise God, how loud I should get. It doesn't regulate my flow with God. Hallelujah. I, I can keep the joy flow going on by faith because that's who I am. Who you are is stronger than how you feel. Do you understand that? Did you hear what I just said? I'm going to repeat that in case you're not here. Who you are is stronger than how you feel. How you feel is not who you are. How you feel is being triggered by stimuli. And I guarantee you, in another few hours or another day or days, you'll be feeling different. Because there are different stimuli in source of stimuli that will seek to interfere with how you feel in your body. Something that what people tell you can influence the way you behave. Somebody can just say something to you, and if you don't process it with truth, it can introduce a spirit of heaviness and bring depression to you, and all of a sudden it models up your faith life. You must be on the alert every time. That's what the Bible means by saying, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, your enemy, the opponent, the devil, works about. He can use what you see to hit you. He can use what you hear to hit you. He can use what you read to hit you. So be careful. Hallelujah. You be careful. You need to know how to keep the defenses of faith on. The Bible says, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery doubts of the enemy. Your confession must be consistent. Your stand must be non-negotiable. Like, like the Bible says about Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Same thing with Sarah. If you read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says Sarah counted him faithful and by that received strength to conceive at her age. So faith can produce strength in your life. Say amen. Are you listening to what I'm saying? One of the things that you must get is this. Faith is a lifestyle. The God kind of faith is the God kind of lifestyle. You cannot live the lifestyle of eternal life being a cultural man. Do you understand what I mean by that? Because one of the areas your feelings might bias your faith is your culture. And you need to be careful because we're all coming from some level of cultural programming. And if you don't know how to cast down the imaginations or the reason from that, it will affect the way you function in faith. You must keep reminding yourself that you're a new creation in Christ. You're not a tribal man. You're not from Aquaibo. You're not from uh, Imo State. You're not from Abia State. That's where you were born. You're from God. The Bible says in him we live, we move, and have what? Our being. It's when you're culturally minded that's Say, no, you know, we, we people, we don't behave like this. It's programmed you to respond in a particular way and positions or posture you against your position in Christ. Your position in Christ is your reality. Where you are geographically and, and the feelings that are presented to you, it's not your reality. Your reality is where you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers. 
The way to arrest that up and down kind of Christianity and walk with God is to remain rooted and grounded in who you are through faith. Say amen. It's important you get that. And also you must learn to, you know, if you're going to walk by faith, you must learn to walk in love. Everybody say walk in love. You must choose not to be offended. Stop becoming a petty believer. If something doesn't agree with what you want, you, you just shut down. There are many people, when things don't go the way they want, maybe they want something and you don't give them, they shut down. Their spirit becomes closed. You must learn to rise above offense. Because offense is satanic. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. But if you read Ephesians 4.26, it said, be angry but sin not and let not the sun go down on your wrath. Don't, don't try to, you know, defy your anger. Say, you know, when are the verse? It's a very special thing. What do you mean it's a special thing? What's special about anger? Say, when are the verse? It's very special. That old day will just spoil. No, don't say that. That's not who you are. That's, that's a lie, still trying to regulate the way you're living. So you need to watch out for faith. Bible says faith walketh by love. Faith works by love. So if you're walking in offense, your faith won't function. You will create a toxic environment in your heart that will, that will not allow your faith to be released. And if you don't walk by faith, you're not walking by God because to walk by faith is to walk by God. Faith is a God lifestyle. It's the ability in your human spirit to think like God, to operate like God, to function like him. And many of us have not seen power. Why? Because we're not, we're, not, we're not walking according to our reality. You are a people of power. Second Corinthians 13 says, we are kept by the power of God. Ephesians 3.20 says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that, that lives in us. Glory to God. Say amen. I was watching a message Paris sent me by Mark Pai. Some of you don't, may know him, some of you may not know him, but I've known him far back the 80s. And he's a man who is an evangelist, and if you've ever listened to him, moves with amazing signs and wonders. I was listening to one of his messages, and I've, I've been playing that like four times. And I was telling Paris, I said, this man echoes the depth I carry in my spirit. That whenever I teach and preach God's word, that the, the consciousness of the miraculous should break out. Because that's what Jesus did. This man operated in such power that his faith in God was built to the point that just by talking, one of his junior brothers was misbehaving. All the money he was sent to him, you know, he'll be spending it on women. So he told the mother, said, this is your son. The money I sent to him, he'll be spending it. And mother, you know, like mothers, they want to protect the thank God we don't have that kind I will never raise my children that way endorse bad behavior God forbid never you're spoiling that child say no yeah I'm sure it's your wife that told you that one it's not, that's not my son he said hey, it's not your son it's okay no problem he said listen to what I'm going to tell you in seven days you will know why police do their job that's what he said so you will know why police do their job in seven days everybody says seven days somebody was killed somewhere, and the people that were caught named the brother, they said the preacher's brother, and named him a monk. So he was picked. When police came to pick him from the house, the mother said, ah, he's my son, no, if you arrest him, you will arrest me too. They carried her. When they wanted to lock her, they said, mama, we can't lock you, I know you're a suspect, it's only your son we want. So the mother ran to him, Mark, I said, bad mouth preacher. 
He said, you have used your mouth to send your brother to jail. Now go and look for police and set, go and look for money and settle police or else they will not uh, release your brother. He said, I can't give police. He said, my money will, will burn their pocket if I give them. He said, but I'll tell you something so you know the God I serve. He said, the boy will go to court. They will do the case will go to court. He said, but God will raise, because he, my God is me, God will raise a testimony on my behalf and they'll set him free. He said, eh? He said, don't worry, you see what will happen. The case went to court. The moment they got to court, the guy who committed the murder got saved before the court case. As soon as he got saved, he said he will not lie again. So on that day when he appeared in court, the, he now said to the judge, the truth is that he was the one that did the crime, that this person's brother was not there. But just because they wanted to indict somebody along, that's why they decided to. The judge got angry and set him free. So when the, the, the brother came, brother came to beg him. He said, when I was in jail, and I remembered that my brother has power in his mouth. So he begged him. He said, anytime we quarrel, please don't say anything. Just keep quiet. That's the power of faith. That's a mixture of the gift of faith and the lifestyle faith. And you and I have opportunity to operate in that. He said he was traveling one day, and three cars stopped him on the road, and they said they wanted to deal with him. He looked at them and said, why? He said, what is my problem? He said, what did I do to you? Um, that our sister, you made our sister barren. He said, me. Yes. He said, you said something, our sister became barren. He said, which sister? He said, I don't remember. He said, you must remember, or we will deal with you here today. And I said, okay, I remember. The sister was married, and she went and committed adultery. So he disciplined her. Um, because he's not a pastor. So the sister said, you are not a pastor now of my church. So your discipline will not stand. He said, eh. He said, for saying that, you will remain barren. You will not be able to have a child until you repent. So he forgot her. And she remained like that. Remained like that. So years had passed. The sister couldn't have a child. So they, for her to do was to organize people to go and assassinate him. So he not to them, look, let me warn you guys. She, she told you that it was my mouth. That made her not to have a child. He said, yes, okay. He said, if you don't carry this, your stupid car from my front, let me tell you what happened. Today, three of you will die. Ah, no, we didn't want to die. We came to beg you that you should have mercy on our sister. When you hear things like that, it's not a hero thing. It's about the lifestyle of faith. Paul went to preach in the government. He said, are you not tired of their strength in you, yet the image of you is weakness? That's not who you are. That's not who you are. You need to understand your source and what you're connected with. Paul went to preach somewhere and, and the sorcerer was trying to interfere with the deliverer of the gospel. He looked at the guy and said, hey, you child of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, will you not seek to pervert the ways of the Lord? He said, listen, he said for a season you will be blind. And the Bible says something like mist fell on the man's eyes and instantly he went blind and they were leading him. And that broke the siege and the hedge over that governor so that the word of God can go forth. People can talk to you and they are. I don't know what, what, what you think you are. I don't know who you think you are in Christ. Believers look at themselves as mere human beings. You're not. The lifestyle of it reminds you that you're not an ordinary human being. I was telling my children my story I had when I got into university year one. I think I've shared it once or twice or so in church. I stayed with this, a, a, a relative of mine, and there's this guy in the room who belongs to Amok, the Rosicrucian order. 
and he prides himself by, by threatening people that he will invoke on them satanic influence through incantation that will torment them. So they were afraid of him. I came in very young. I was looking like Jedediah when I entered school. And I was lying, my phone, I put my phone by the side of the bed sleep. So I was watching him. When I don't, I'll keep quiet. I'm like a lion that you shouldn't disturb. But if you come near me, I'll bite you. So he now one day played near me. He was in year three. I think he was in petroleum engineering then, if I remember. Here I'm another fair guy. So and I looked at him, I told him, I said, just dress far from me. Don't, don't come near me. He looked at him and said, who do you think you are? You that just year one. That if I open my mouth and say things over you, he said, you will not forget what will happen to you. I told him, I said, I won't pray. He said, eh? I said, I won't pray. He said, he said this night, I will see what will happen to me. And I laughed. I said, come and try. And I didn't remember him. I didn't remember to pray. I just slept. Slept, woke up in the morning. As you have brushed my teeth, did my devotion, I was about to go. Next day, I noticed he was watching me. When I come, he won't talk. He will look at me. He will come. He will go back. He won't talk. He will look at me. He will, come, he will go back. So he now says, say, who are you? Oh, I said, okay, you came to try, eh? Ah. You've been lucky, so you're there alive. From that day, he never spoke to me till we left that place. It's like, stay on your own. I will stay on my own. I've heard instances of believers complaining of oppressions of witchcraft. That's an abomination. That's an aberration. How can you be a light and darkness will come and, and, and deal with you? How? What kind of Christianity are you practicing? Even for you to open your mouth and say that, is, how does it sound to you? What kind of Christianity are you practicing? What do you think you are in Christ? So faith, the lifestyle of faith, Check your Bible. All the heroes of faith, they manifested the life of God. So tonight, I'm going to share something very important and practical. Write it down. I call it the role of teaching in keeping our faith steady in Christ. We, we talked about applying the principle Abraham used to the new creation believer, to the New Testament believer. And, and we summarized the steps of the faith of Abraham. Number one, Abraham located the promise by what God said to him and he took a stand with the promise. How did he take a stand? He took a stand in three vital areas. His thought life, his words, and his action. That's how you take a stand. When you walk by faith, you walk by faith in the things you think, in how you think, in the words you speak, and in your action. Because faith works by, faith without works is dead. Hallelujah. So when, when you take a stand with God's word, you take a stand in your words, you take a stand in your thoughts, and you take a stand in your action. You, you continue to use your faith to keep your focus steady. You don't shift your ground. The second thing Abraham did was that Abraham measured on the faithfulness of God. You need to know the faithfulness of God. The reason we have scriptures is because we have history, documented histories of the faithfulness of God towards his people. All the miracles you read, you read in the Bible in both the Old Testament and the New Testament are documentaries. They are chronicles of the faithfulness of God towards his people. To tell you that God has been faithful, same God yesterday, today, and what? Forever. If he did it for them, he can do it today. Say amen. If he never failed before, he will fail today. 
And one of the things you will find out in scripture is that the track record of God's faithfulness is perfect. God's word is his history. God's word is his ability. God's word is himself. And he has a track record for faithfulness. If he has never failed people before you, he won't start with you. Praise the Lord. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Say when we say God is faithful. Don't say it like somebody who is sleeping. Say it like somebody who believes it. Say God is faithful. Shout it. Say God is faithful. Say God is faithful. Say my God is faithful. Say Jesus is faithful. And the Bible says Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. One of the things you will notice in scripture is the consistency of the character and the nature of God. God has a consistency with faithfulness. Amen. God is consistent. He said, I will not break my covenant. Neither will I alter the words that have gone out of my mouth. Don't tell me God's word doesn't work. You are a liar. Let every man be a liar. Let God be true. Amen. That's why you cannot be responsible for what other people believe. You can only be responsible for what you believe. Say amen. Never use anybody to judge the status of your faith. Your only example when it comes to faith is Christ. Amen? And you only follow those who model Christ and show that through faith in Christ, you can obtain the promise. Praise the Lord. All right? So we're looking at the role of teaching in keeping our faith steady. Everybody say the role of teaching. Teaching is very central to the development of faith for the believer. Teaching. Unfortunately, um, Christianity that has been practiced in Africa doesn't measure and keep as priority the place of teaching when it comes to development in the faith. We're used to event. Event. Our, our, our faith is event-based. So, you know, we now have certain programs at certain part of the year. So, it's as if our faith goes to sleep until that program comes. When that program comes, that's when our faith rises up. That's what we've trained people to be. But people have to live in between the periods from program to program. Is that not so? As a matter of fact, you live, in, you live a daily life. Is anybody here that has 25 hours of the day? Does anybody live 25 hours here? Answer me now. Everybody lives 24 hours. Is that not so? Yeah, so we all have equal 24 hours. So what do you do in between programs? What if Jesus doesn't walk into where the, uh, um, a sick person is and says, do you want to be healed? Carry your bed and walk. That's a messy manifestation of God. It wasn't based on the faith. The man didn't even have a single drop of faith. God in his mercy has made available its ability to reach and help men through medicine and all that. But those are supplements that are meant to aid you while you develop on that which is real. You're going to build on the supplement. If you build on the supplement, you're going to live a very dysfunctional Christian life. And that's what's wrong with many of us. We're not learning to live. We're learning for use. So we have a formularized approach to God and our faith. We're always looking for keys. If we understand the way God built the system, there are certain things you won't pray for. When it comes, you just say them and it will happen. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You just say them and it will happen. And, and when certain crises come and many believers are shaken and, and they behave out of character, 
it shows that they are not grounded. And this is because they are not exposed to teaching. When people come to church, I mean, you get on Sundays, you see what happens here in both service. But when it comes to Bible study where certain things are taught over a period, people just think it's not important. So let's look at what the Bible says. Now hear this. The goal of the enemy through doubt is to get the believer to shift his faith stand on the promises of God. It's very simple. Get you to stop standing on God's word. Get you to shift your focus from the word of God. You shift it from what God says to your experience. Like Peter, he was looking at Jesus and as long as he kept his face on Jesus, he could walk on water. But the moment he decided to shift his gaze from Jesus to the storm, he began to sink. And that's what happens to every one of us. Because it could be in the area of your finance. You've taken your eyes away from Christ to your effort, to your abilities, to your job. And when you, and when you take your, your gaze from yourself, from the word of God to yourself, you, you, you take vacation on the principles of the word. Because one of the fact that you're operating faith in finance is giving. You give. And you may not always have money to give. There are other things you can give. But you keep the giving flow. Hallelujah. You look for opportunity to be a blessing every month. It's part of the faith network when it comes to finance. Then when it comes to other areas, you keep your confession of faith in place. When opportunities come for you to declare your stand, you stand on what God's word says. And you don't agree with that. You know, I try to teach my children that all the time. When someone, someone says, ah, and I know the reason they make some very funny statement is because they hear it from their, their classmates and they think that's the way you're supposed to talk. We go to the gym almost every morning and, and people talk about different things that happened and you see belief systems that are speaking from people and how they approach certain situations and scenarios in life. And if you're not very careful, they, can, they may want to transfer the way they think and the way they see things to you. See, I say, not be so, not be so, not be so. In my mind, I usually don't talk. But if you press my button, I'll tell you what is in my mind. Hallelujah. You can't come and wear me your, 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 your belief system. I know what I stand. I know what I believe. I know where my ground is. And I protect it. Praise the name of the Lord. Alright, so be very careful because that is very subtle. It can come disguised through friends. It can come disguised through your own parents. I've seen that happen in my own case. Not because they hate you. Not because they don't love you. But because their mind is not renewed in the word of God in that area. So they are prone to be used by doubt to be a vessel. It can come through your husband. It can even come through your wife. A situation will come and all of a sudden you start talking different. You start talking as if you are not the source. That you are the one who is doing it. Not God again. Oh. It's after all. All they suffer, they suffer for this house. All of them now. Just they chop all the food in the house. Eh, you. <laughs> God will say, oh, oh. Is it now you now? So you are the one that is running the show. Then you will not forget that it's God's favor that brought you there. And you stop giving him the credit, you start taking the credit to yourself. Once you put the pressure on you, then you are not saying that you are not. Then God says, okay, no problem. Have it your way. That's his goal. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, praise God. God has built a system of faith sustenance. Write that two word down. Everybody say system of faith sustenance. A system means the way things are supposed to be. That's one reason people want to travel abroad because systems work there. You don't have to bribe your way. 
the systems work. Now, I'm not saying that it's perfect because there's almost corruption. As far as they're on save me, there'll be corruption. All right? So everybody corrupts, whether America, Europe, Nigeria. Corruption is part of the falling nature. But to a level of degree of development, their system works. If, for instance, you want to get a contract, you don't need to know anybody. In Nigeria, the parastators that give you playing field, level playing field, for you to get a job, if you don't know, in case you are a new entrant, you're just entering the sector, chances that you will have that this is very rare if you don't know somebody in the system. And it's not supposed to be. The reason there are processes and procedures is that it's open to anybody who wants to come in and bid. Everybody's given fair opportunity to try. And so that's how God's system is. There is a system of faith sustenance in the body of Christ. And that system is through teaching. What did I call it? Answer me now. Come on. Through what? You're listening to it now. So anytime you avoid exposing yourself to the teaching of God's word, you are refusing to expose yourself to the system of faith sustenance that God has put in the body of Christ to keep your faith stable, established, grounded, productive, and performing. Did you hear what I said? Let me give you, go to Colossians chapter 2 quickly. Verses 6 and verse 7. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, He is our Lord. The word Lord means supreme, master, controller. He said, So walk ye in Him. I like the word of God. Now I've received Jesus, I am to what? Walk in Him. I'm to live by Him. I'm to operate by His principles. I'm to live by His principles. Then He now tells us, how to do that? Verse 7. You are to be rooted and built up in him. The word rooted means your foundation should be in him. And it's your foundation means it becomes the, the foundation for how you see, how you speak, how you live, and how you act. Rooted and built up in him and established in what? In the faith as you have what? As you have been taught. So there is a place of teaching. You can always tell by the way believers operate whether they are, they are under proper teaching of the word or not. I posted a, a, a write-up I wrote in 2019 on cancer with regards to study the word of God. Even some pastors, if you hear them talk, you know that some of them didn't grow under proper teaching. Some of them don't even read fake, good faith books. So when you listen to their language, it's always clashing and jamming. I'm not talking about speaking English. I'm talking about the coherency of faith. They're not grounded. They were not properly taught. And if you are not properly taught, you're going to be an inconsistent believer. When trials come and storms come, you will not stand. When you see believers wave and shake, that tells you that many of them, either they were not properly taught or they were not good students. They don't, they don't expose themselves to teaching. All right? He said, as you have been taught, abounding, daring with what? With thanksgiving. Abounding. That's why when you come for Bible study, you have your notes down. You write. Because you're a student. Jesus said, whosoever continue in my word is my disciples. The word disciple means student. So every time you come to church, you learn. You write down principles. 
you take them down. Then you go home and meditate on them. And so that they, you can internalize them and they can renew your mind and, and reshape your belief system so that the life of God can begin to take effect in your life. Say amen. Now, in order to encourage and strengthen the believer's faith on Christ, God has given to the church, the body of Christ, giftings of grace. Everybody say giftings of grace. These are people God calls, anoints, and puts in place to be able to teach. These are God called and anointed men. Everybody say God called. That means they don't, they don't call themselves. They don't anoint them to become pastor. You don't, make any, you don't have power to make anybody a pastor. You can't give somebody a grace that God has not given him. That person needs to have a conviction. Because when it comes to matters of conviction, what it simply means is that you don't need any human encouragement to serve God. Do you understand that? Do you know what conviction means? Conviction simply means that you don't need any human encouragement to serve God because you are convinced that's what God put in your heart to do. For instance, if you, are, you have a conviction that this is your church and this is where God has planted you, you don't need anybody to encourage you to serve God because it's a conviction. Paul says, when I had a conviction, I conferred not with flesh and blood. All these human regulated basis of serving God means you don't have a conviction. And if you don't have a conviction, that's where you get offended easily. You feel that they are not noticing you. They're not paying you the attention that they should give you. No, it's you that said that God brought you here. Hallelujah. Amen. The only person I can hold is my wife because we are married so we can't separate. But any other person that serves God with me and follows me the way they do is because they have conviction. Hallelujah. Amen. Anything that is done to you is just extra. It's because it's God that pays the one who he puts his conviction on. Do you understand that? It's God that rewards you. It's not, it's not the person you're following. It's God who rewards you when you have conviction. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so these are called and anointed men who have been sent to preach and teach Christ. These men are called to preach the word of God, word of faith, by preaching Christ. Christ, the message of Christ is the word of faith because it builds his faith, develops his faith on the inside of you. Their impact comes from the anointing upon their call. If, you, if you're called, I remember a lady gave a testimony in Sapler program. She came for one of the programs. She was having a block sinus and she was having this deep cough. She said she just came for one of the meetings and I was teaching. I wasn't even praying. As I was teaching, boom, said the power of God hit her so hard that the, thing, the cough cleared instantly. And her sinuses cleared, everything cleared, and she was instantly healed. She gave the testimony. It's on video. That was the case all the time I was speaking to. There was a lady that was in the meeting. She was possessed. I remember she said when she told us later she was coming for that meeting. And according to her request, I knew it was a demonic apparition anyway. But the woman appeared to her and said, don't go to that meeting. Leave now. But somehow he said she had the force. There was this pull that she should be in the meeting. So she came. Mena was there. The guy who, who blessed me with the car. Was, I remember he was in that meeting. When we went to Lagos two years ago, he was remembering it. This happened almost 20-something years ago. I was just preaching. And I wasn't even praying. As I was praying, the power of God just, boom, picked her. Suspe everybody saw it. Suspended her in the air. Then threw her out of the window. And she landed on the field. That was one of the strangest experiences I've ever had when preaching. When they went to pick her and they wanted to bring her back, the demon in her refused. 
and was screaming and shouting and blah, but the anointing always destroys the yoke. Hallelujah. The word of faith is the message of Christ's grace. The word of faith, say with me, say the word of faith is the message of Christ's grace. Why? Because it is based on him and what he has done. Hallelujah. If you have not read what I posted on cancel on studying the word, so my Facebook, go and read it. Go and read There's a lot of wisdom there. Look, go to Acts chapter 20, verse 32, everybody, quickly. So I begin to plan to round up. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. These are men who are called to teach God's word. I have a lot of charlatans who are not called. Some of them are disguised native doctors. They don't teach. So the people are not built. There's no faith sustenance system that, that builds their faith on God. You see what the word of God does. God has a constructive intent with his word. What did I say? Constructive. It, it's, like a, it's like an educational curriculum. When you're born again, Bible says we're born new babes in Christ. So our knowledge of God and Christ is at the infancy. But he said, desire the sincere make of the word that you may grow thereby. So there is a process of growth. And the teaching of the word is core, central to your growth in Christ. Very important. If you're the kind of person that doesn't like the teaching of the word, you will not grow. You'll be one kind believer that is one leg in, one leg out. When things happen, you will not even behave like a believer at all. You behave like an unbeliever. Because you're not being exposed to the right sustenance and support system. All right. Acts 20 verse 32. Are you there? What did he say? And now brethren, talking to me and you, I commend you to who? To God. And to what? To the word of his grace. That's the message of Christ. What is it? What does that uh, uh, word of his grace do? Which is what? Able to build you up. What does it mean to build? It means to construct. When you build, it has a process to it. It has a constructiveness to it. If you want to build a house, you don't, stop with the, you don't start with the roof. Do you do that? Where, where are you going to put the roof on? You start with foundation. Very important. When the foundations are in place, then you begin to build all the different parts of the building. And that's what the word of his grace does. The word of his grace establishes the right foundations you should have on your faith and begins to develop your faith system so that you can appropriate everything that has been made available to you in Christ. Look at what he says. Able to build you up, build your emotion, build your will, build your mind, strengthen your spirit. If you read one of the prayer Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3, he said that according to the riches of his glory, that you'll be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So you're not weak. And what builds your spirit man is the word. The word, the message of the word of his grace. To build you up and then to give you an inheritance. What is that inheritance? The inheritance is what God has allocated to you. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings. The spiritual blessings are the inheritance that we have in Christ. You didn't earn them, but they were made available to you because when you got born again, the Bible says in Romans 8 that you are a heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. So Colossians 1.12 says, 
Blessed be God the Father. Thanks be to him who has qualified us to become partakers of the inheritance that is in the Satan light. That's one of the prayers Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 and 18. He said that the eyes of your understanding, first of all he prayed that he would grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of our understanding will be illuminated so we may know what is the hope or the expectation of his calling for our life and we will know the riches of the inheritance that is made available to the saint. Glory to God. So those are the things that you should be built on. You should be growing on. Because if you have been built, then you are developing the character to access and manifest your inheritance in Christ. Because your image, your lifestyle, your victory is in your inheritance. Your inheritance is the expectation of God's calling for your life. You have an inheritance of health. You have an inheritance of healing. You have an inheritance of greatness inside of you. You're, you're born of a comma. That's who you are. Those are the things that should frame your mind. Frame the way you look at yourself, the way you relate with yourself, deal with yourself, then also the way you deal with others. Hallelujah. Give it to you an inheritance among all them which are set apart. The word sanctified means to set apart because in Christ you're sanctified. Say amen. When Christ is the message, it will build you up and release his inheritance in your life. When the diet of the message is not Christ, there's something I said last week or two weeks ago. I said when Christ is not the message diet, then the message becomes adulterated with personalities, formulas, and methods. That's what happens. When Christ is not the, the main cause, the congregation may get excited and revved up, but his character will be missing in their life. Don't manifest him. Don't behave like him. Because they are not rooted in him. Not grounded in him. Make sure you read what I said. Go to uh, Acts chapter 28 verses um, I'd say we'll, we'll stop by 7.15. Acts 28 30 to verse 15. Acts 28 So you know what? The legacy of faith that has been committed to us to teach and to preach. These are things we fight for. Because there are things that we want to shift our focus from the foundation of faith that we have inherited from the disciples or the apostles of faith. And we are to fight for that in our own generation and time. Acts 28 verse 30 and 31. Are you there? Are you there? Alright. I told you not to wait for the screen. You have your Bible though. This is Bible study. Acts 28 Verses 30 and 31. If you are there, say amen. amen. It says, And Paul dwelt for how many years? Two whole years in his own hired, so he wasn't broke, hired house, and received all that came in unto him. Received all that came in unto him. So he had enough to accommodate that were coming. What was he doing? Verse 31. Preaching, are you paying attention? Preaching the kingdom of what? Of God. And teaching those things. What is this kingdom? Domain. The word kingdom is the domain of God. The system of God. And teaching those uh, things. What is the kingdom of God made up of? Let's, what did he say next? Teaching those things, which word? Concern. Is that in your Bible? Concern what? The Lord 
Jesus because he is the diet of our faith. Teaching those things. In convention, I'm going to introduce you to the better things that accompany salvation that we have in Christ. Why is it called better? Why do we have a better covenant in Christ? Many of us have not been able to rightly divide the word of God when it comes to that. We jumble everything together. One moment we are praying like uh, Jeremiah. The next moment we are trying to pray like uh, Apostle Paul. One moment we are praying like Isaiah or Ezekiel. One moment we are trying to pray like Paul. We need to know the difference. And to understand the system that we are in. And how to function in that system effectively. He said concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. With all, see the word, all confidence. Why? Because that is the word of faith. That's the message that has been given to the church. With all confidence, no man forbidding him. Say amen. amen. Alright, let's go to another scripture. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're looking at the role of teaching. If we're going to be grounded and established in the faith and be equipped to overcome and deal with doubt, we must constantly expose ourselves to the teaching of God's word. Some of us were so distracted. We are so into self-gist that even if the word of God, the moment you just introduce the word of God, they'll just turn off. Have you seen believers like that? Once you just bring the word of God into it, they just turn off. They switch off. They prefer talking about gossip and what did they happen? What, ah, this is your hair fine. Oh. This is your clothes fine. Once you bring God's word, they tune off. They don't want to hear. I don't belong, don't belong to such companies. You're doing great injustice to your faith. Alright, Ephesians chapter 4. Are you there? We're going to read some selected verses. Ephesians chapter 4. We're beginning from verse 7. Are you there? Is everybody there? Alright. It says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we all, we've all been gifted differently. One of my area of calling is that of a teacher. And within the ministry of a teacher, sometimes God gives you the ability to write. I can write. I don't write because I just like to write. I write because I'm gifted to write. Now I can develop the skill, learn a little bit about the grammar and the skill of writing, but I'm gifted to put words together. When I sit down and write most of the time, it's as if someone is detecting to me what I'm writing. I don't copy, I don't plagiarize. One of the things you know if you're truly called is originality. There'll be an originality of what you do. Alright? So, it says, but each to each one, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of, the, of Christ's gift. Therefore, verse 8. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to what? To men. That word gift is grace. He gave grace, charisma. Different grace. Now, go to verse 11. Go to verse 11. The Bible says, and he himself gave some to be what? Apostle. That means not everybody is called into that grace capacity. Now, this area of gifting, you cannot desire it. It is the sovereign choice of Christ. Do you understand that? We can desire the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. I, I say them every day because I want to operate in them. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirit, gift of faith, um, gifts of healing, working on miracles, prophecy, diverse kinds of tongue, and interpretation of tongue. You are to desire to operate. If you don't desire, you won't flow in them. Because your desire represents your passion. If you're not hungry for them, the Holy Ghost won't release them on you. But this one, you can't desire them because it's a sovereign choice. If, if you have it, 
then the Holy Ghost will tell you. He will show you. No matter how much you desire to be an apostle, if you're not called to be one, heaven will not grace you for that. You understand that? So it's not just that. And also in the Bible, there's nothing like major apostle, major prophet, minor. There's nothing like that. There's no, there's no major or minor. Who makes them major? Who makes them minor? I'm very sure some people are referring to some Bible uh, where, they, uh, where they said, like Nahum, they say he's a minor prophet because the message he received was small. It's human being that is doing those graduations, not God. In the eyes of scripture, there are no major prophets, there are no minor prophets. Sometimes under the excitement, we can make statements. But these statements, they are not supported in scripture. And we need to be very careful. Because if you start exposing yourself to statements that are not grounded in the word of God, it can affect your faith. Hallelujah. Some prophets, there's no major or minor prophet in the first place. And the fact that God gives you the word of knowledge to know the facts or information directly from the mind of God doesn't mean you're a prophet. You can flow in the gift of word of knowledge without being called a prophet. But now, if anybody operates in the gift of word of knowledge, they just brand you prophet. Just put one big signboard there. Prophet, come. Come, let me read your data. That's demonic. It's nothing like that. Everyone, Falabi told me something. He said, some people behave as if they, they've kidnapped God and locked him inside the room. Then when they want him to talk, they open the say, okay, God, tell me this person now. I want to hear. You can't do that to God. You are too small to use God. He's the one that uses us. Are you listening to what I'm saying? That's balanced teaching. But if you don't have, you're not taught well, you, the Bible says, you, we'll see that. Let me not do that so that I can keep. Some prophets, some evangelists, like Benga that King Benga was an evangelist. He's not a pastor. He's an evangelist and a teacher. All right? And he has agreed by the Spirit of God he's going to be our guest next year convention. All right? And some pastors and teachers I fall into those categories. All right? Verse 12. Go to verse 12. What is the purpose of this grace gifting? For the perfect... You know what perfecting means? Perfect means to equip when you equip something, you are making available the required resources the person needs in order to do a job. Is that not so? So when you see the word perfecting, it means for the equipping of the saint for what? For the work of the ministry. So that when you go out and do the works that Jesus has told us to do, you are equipped to do them. You are supposed to be casting out devil. If I ask you, when last did you cast out a devil? If you're not doing that, then something is wrong. When last did you lead somebody to Christ? Why do we struggle for to come for evangelism? On Saturdays we come for evangelism. Why do we struggle to do that? When last did you lay hand on the sick? And you, and you prayed and the sickness left. You spoke to disease. When was the last time you told the cripple to rise up? When was the last time did you lay hands on a blind person? And commanded the eye. If your faith is properly being built, you'll be bold to go and do that because you know who is doing it. Equip for the work of the ministry, for the building or edifying of the body of Christ. We are a body. It's only on earth you have the refuge house, widow's chapel, and whatever. In heaven, they don't exist. They are boot camps where God raised people, equipped them, built them for the kingdom, and they go forth and advance the kingdom of God. Because in the mind of God, it's only kingdom that matters. You understand that? There's no special register for salvation ministry in heaven. There's nothing like that. You need to understand because some of you think that is what it is. When you say, Heavenly Father, I don't reach heaven, no. I belong to this church. This is my card. I've been defeated. Eh -eh. It is your contribution to the kingdom that will count. 
Are you listening to what I'm saying? And each and every one of us are members of that kingdom. What you do impacts the kingdom of God in this area. Because this is where we are. Till we all come, verse 13, are you there? Let me begin to random. My time is up. Till we all come to the unity of what? Faith. What is unity of faith? The same agreement. We can only come to the unity of faith when we focus on Christ, who is the source of faith. Unto what? The major or the, the major of the character of the fullness of Christ. Hallelujah. The fullness of Christ. Glory to God. My translation says, uh, uh, will come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Go to verse 14. He says, this is the effect of proper teaching. That we should no longer be children, infants. What, what, what is the characteristic of children? Easily offended, easily irritated. When things don't go their way, they, they snuck off, they start crying. That's what my, uh, my last daughter does. You know, sometimes people they, in the house, they thought maybe she was manipulating me with that. They don't know I was using father's benevolence to look at. One day I just called her, I said, let me warn you. See this thing you are doing. If you try it with me, I will beat you. Then she just, her face changed. I said, eh, I said I love you. So the fact that I'm doing something, so it doesn't mean if you try this nonsense again, I will beat you. Sorry, daddy. I said, thank you. And I smiled back. Hallelujah. That we should be, because if we are children, we cannot advance the kingdom of God in the earth. We'll be infantile in our understanding. Our representation of Christ will be very weak. We'll deny him at the instant. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men or in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, because love is a measure. You're walking in love, or your love life in the faith is a measure of your maturity in the faith. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Your walking in love as a Christian is a measure of your maturity in the faith. Your ability to get along with people. That's why when you have an isolatory attitude where you're just on your own, nobody knows you. That's what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. They are the type that come to church and they just like to be on their own. And they like to show off. The reason is because, how do I know? When Ananias was killed, they had planned that they would come to church at different time because they wanted the glory. They, they skimmed what they were doing. And they've sinned against the Holy Ghost, so they were killed. If they had good relationship with the people in church, the moment he arrived, someone said, Safira, your husband, we just carried him to burial. We said, what happened? He said, look what he said. Hey! Lord, please, I'm sorry, forgive me. She came. When she came, you want to tell me that when she came to church, she didn't pass members of the church? You know when somebody dies in a place, it's a major thing. And they, they carried the dead body outside. Then a husband was buried. Bible said they made it a carriage and went to bury him. Everybody will know. The moment she enters the same church, because it was a big place. Before the time came for her to bring her offering to the apostles' feet, somebody would have tapped her. Ananias, uh, Safira, your husband is dead, though. He said, My husband, dead? No, but she had this air. You know, this, everybody call it air. It's this air of. Um, 
stupid stupidity. You know, nobody can talk to me. I just like to do my thing. When I come to church, I call myself. When, when, they know, when people like, find out that you like to be on your own, they will give you your distance. But there are some wisdom you will need too. Because the person that helped Naaman to get healed from leprosy was a house gay. So if Naaman could not be approached by a house gay, he would have remained a leprous man. Is that not true? Yeah. So be very careful. Your, the major of your Christian maturity is your love life. How do you relate to the people? By these shall all men know that you are what? My disciple. A little girl went with the parents to church. Rise up on your feet. Went with the parents to church and, and she came back. And she kept telling, I saw Jesus today in church. I saw Jesus today in church. So they, they thought maybe it was because, you know, she had a vision and Jesus appeared and she, only she, she saw it alone. And they kept saying, somebody said, come. Hey, how was Jesus? How did he look like? When she finished describing Jesus, guess who he was describing? The pastor. Ask your neighbor, are you a Jesus to your neighbor? Because we're supposed to be measured... It's Christ that is our measure of growth and development. Say amen. amen. Do you know Jesus related with sinners and yet he wasn't contaminated? Unbelievers, can you imagine an unbeliever came to Christ and invited? You know the, the Sadducees, they didn't like him. But one of them came to him and they said, please, can you come and eat in my house? He said, okay, I'll come. And he went. And when he entered the man's house, a, a woman who had lived a you know, very bad life came and was crying wiping the feet of Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, I, he said, I came to you house. You didn't give me water to wash my feet. That's the tradition. See, but this woman, since I came, has been using her tears to wipe my feet. And I had to clean my leg. Zacchaeus was not a righteous man. He was a bad guy. But Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. If you enter an unbeliever's home, can you make a difference there? The place you live, your street, your, your workplace, what do they see? Who do they Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like these.